Hey everyone, welcome to The Lead, where we discuss the news and events happening in the community of Ganawage. In this episode, we discuss the community's rolling blockade in support of Wet'suwet'en, the annual holiday parade, vaccine updates for kids, and Haudenosaunee lacrosse. Eagle's Nest Convenience and Lafleur's Restaurant, located on Route 207. Eagle's Nest, open daily from 8 to 11. Pick up something fresh from their deli counter. Open 8 to 6 on weekdays and 10 to 5 on Saturdays. And while you're out, grab some takeout or call in for delivery at Lafleur's Restaurant. Open 11 to 7 from Sunday to Wednesday and 11 to 8 from Thursday to Saturday. All your needs in one convenient location. Hey everyone, my name is Jordan Standup. I am the assistant editor here at Yerdiwaze. Today I'm joined by our editor and publisher, Greg Horn, as well as our contributing writer, Mark Lalone. So welcome to the studio, gentlemen. It's nice to have you guys back in here. Hello, hello. Pleasure's all mine, Jordan. Whenever we get together in this capacity, we like to talk about some of the things that have made headlines in our community over the last month. And I'd like to start by talking about one of the most recent things that had happened uh, as of this recording, which was a rolling blockade in our community. And Greg, I'd like to turn some of my attention to you. The rolling blockade took place on uh, Wednesday, November 24th here in Ganawage. It was in direct response to the actions of the RCMP in northern British Columbia last Friday when a force of approximately 50 officers uh, raided uh, the Wet'suwet'en territory to reopen a forest road that's being used for workers on the coastal gasoline pipeline to access the work site. A few days before, the Wet'suwet'en reissued an eviction notice to these workers uh, saying that they weren't abiding by certain rules that they were set out and said, you know, you have eight hours to, to vacate our territory and we're closing down the road. The RCMP then moved in to enforce BC Supreme Court judgment injunction that that bars the workers from uh, coastal gasoline from being hindered from doing their job 14 people were arrested including two journalists that were there covering the story who were later released on conditions that they don't go back into the Wet'suwet'en territory to into into the zone that's uh where the injunction is uh, affected to to do their job which is troubling you know on i believe on tuesday night this week uh, the community held a meeting at the people's fire to decide on ways in which to show support and raise awareness to what's happening over there so it was decided that there, a rolling blockade would be held people gathered at the fire 11 11 30 in the morning and then two groups were made one for 132 and one for 138 and at noon the rolling blockade began with a, a traffic slowdown as both groups slowly drove in uh, in a convoy down the community's highways and then stopped at the foot of the bridge for 15 minutes, creating a traffic slowdown. And uh, and then by one o'clock, everything was over and, and done with and uh, people went on their way. Of course, traffic was was severely affected. One thing to note was that whenever the community does things like this to show support for other other communities, other other indigenous nations you know invariably the 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 minor inconvenience that that some people are experiencing leads to to you know people being upset and then some people then resort to racism through social media or or wherever and and that's just not acceptable you know and 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 saw a lot of that on uh facebook throughout yesterday afternoon and uh you know it's just very disheartening and when when you know these people who are who are this upset should probably be getting that upset when they see that the that Canada's national police force is being used as as, as the private security firm of 
a energy company that's building on uh, infrastructure on on traditional unceded indigenous territories. And of course, uh, the Mohawk Nation at Gunawaga and as well as the uh, Mohawk Council of Gunawaga have both put out statements uh, this week also. Uh, is that correct, Craig? Yeah. You know, this community, and, and I think all indigenous communities across uh, across Turtle Island, have really rallied in, in support of the Wet'suwet'en. Uh, you know, going back to 2019 when the RCMP first went in and and raided and, and made some arrests in, in 2020. You know, 2020, I think, was uh, was a big year. I mean... As their arrests were being live streamed on Facebook, uh, some of their people were calling to shut down Canada. And this is an issue, I think, that every Indigenous community across Canada and, and the United States can relate to. It, it, you know, they're, they're trying to stop this massive $6 billion natural gas pipeline from running through their traditional territory. And the group that that the company wants, the, the Wet'suwet'en, had actually proposed an alternate route that they would be agreeable to through their territory that Coastal GasLink and TC Energy have have refused to to listen to. So everybody kind of really can understand that because every indigenous community has some type of, type of infrastructure going through their community. Just look at Gunawaga. There's three provincial highways. There there's there's a bridge. There's train tracks. There's hydro high tension power lines. You know, and that's that's just our community and. Uh, you know, others they have. Uh, you know, to see we have the seaway. You know, uh, our riverfront was was stolen from us, and and the seaway was put there. You know, so so you know that's our community. But you look at other communities where there's, you know, there's dams, there's pipelines, there's there's all these other things that that are there. And so when we're seeing this happening, and and it's something that that that's preventable happening in Wet'suwet'en territory, I think everybody said no. Like we got to do what we can to support them and to show. Canada and Canadians that 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 this type of behavior is not acceptable in this day and age. In 2020, that led to you know widespread railway blockades, you know in in First Nations communities, uh, you know right right across Canada because everyone, every community has a, trail, a train track going through them, right? So it just, it was just something that yeah it, it it was it was natural. So and because the community had had done that and which lasted you know all of february and and into march you know i said about 6 weeks and then the 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 fire was moved to to a current location it was only natural that if something else happened over there that the community would respond going back to 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 march 2020 the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs had visited Gunawage, Tainanaga, a couple other places and and informal agreements were made that our communities would would support each other in in, in times of crisis and and this is what we're doing right now. It's absolutely fantastic to see the support. As disheartening as it is to see what is unfolding out in their territory in British Columbia, to know that they have the support here in our community, we'll continue to provide that support. I think that's just absolutely fantastic. It fills me with pride. Yeah, you know, and it's it's just one of those things that, again, it resonates with, with I think, with every Indigenous person, you know, uh, in North America, because, you know, we've all suffered similar losses. And you know, I think if we given the opportunity, uh, and 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 our community was threatened with another seaway or or another high tension power line coming through a community or or another highway, uh, you know, we would be doing the same and 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 calling for the same support. You know, in 1990, during the during the so-called Oka crisis, you know, we had uh, our communities had support right across Canada and. And it's only natural for us to provide that same support back and repaying that that gratitude, right? 
Yeah, and absolutely. And of course, we're going to, all eyes will be kept out on that story as things con- continue to develop and uh, unfold out there. One of the fun stories that we got to uh, really dig into this this month was uh, the Ganawage Fire Brigade's redesign of one of their uh, existing trucks, which was uh, engine number five. And I think at this point, we've all probably had the opportunity to see the truck because it's just uh, beautifully redesigned. Uh, Greg, would you like to also uh, talk a little bit more about this this truck? Sure. For for people who, who may not know, I'm, I'm also a member of the Ganawage Fire Brigade's executive committee. And when Fire Chief David Scott brought the idea to to the executive committee and explaining that that the the funds required for this redesign, because uh, it's it's not a a whole new paint job, it's a it's a wrap uh, that was done by a business in Shadagi that deals that does that you know specifically that was coming out of uh, money that that was fun. Uh, they have a fundraising account that the the officers at the the fire brigade members uh, use all year. Uh, they raised money, came out of that fund, so no no funds were taken from any other programs. You know, the, the executive committee said, yeah, this is a great idea. This is, you know, something that's, that, you know, it's it's really important and it, it really gets that message out that every child matters, especially given, you know, the, the year that we've had where, where we've, we've seen things, you know, coming to light, uh, you know, regarding uh, residential schools and 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 all that, right? So it was just it was a, it was it was natural for for the executive community to say, yeah, we stand by you guys in doing this. I thought it was especially cool that uh, David Scott kind of kept the the news under wraps, if you will. He told a lot of people at the hall that the truck was simply going out for uh, some maintenance and some small repairs. Hmm. And of course, when it returned, it returned with the the words "Every child matters." There's feathers on the truck as well, and of course, it's predominantly orange and black and. He just was hoping that it was just going to fill people with pride every time they see it so that people never forget about it either. Yeah, and and, and the, the plan was for it to be, for, for the community to see it at, at this past weekend's holiday parade. But of course, uh, you know, uh, people being very enthusiastic, uh, seeing it, uh, pictures were shared on social media. The truck had to respond to a, a Sitzel bus uh, that caught on fire on Tuesday night last week. So, so people had seen it. So, so it didn't actually get to make its its de- debut, official debut, and uh, at the parade. But that's where most of most community members seen it for the first time, though. Right, and David Scott was also mentioning that uh, there could be an opportunity here to use other pieces of fire brigade equipment to, you know, maybe help um, promote or, or spread messages. One of which was uh, autism awareness which is something that he said that he was looking into to try and maybe incorporate on some of the equipment. So it'd be really interesting to see how they're able to do these things going forward. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Fire Brigade is, is a community organization, and, and it's one of those those organizations that I, I think everybody needs, that doesn't always use, but when they use it, it's very much appreciated. And, you know, the, the fire brigade members, they also want to show, I think, the the appreciation that, that they have to the community by, by helping raise awareness to different issues, right? Right, absolutely. We had two Haudenosaunee lacrosse teams that recently made a little bit of history. Again, I'm going to look over to Greg, our resident lacrosse expert, if you will. But he's also the man who covered the story, so you'll be able to fill us in on all the details regarding that. In international play, up until very recently, like two weeks ago, Haudenosaunee teams have not beat Canada internationally, uh, you know, at any level. You know, Canada's the world powerhouse in lacrosse. Uh, the Haudenosaunee is right up there, uh, especially in box lacrosse. You know, you go back to all, all the world championships that have been played. The gold medal has always been decided between Canada and the Haudenosaunee. 
Canada coming out on top. There's a few times where, where the games were very close, went to overtime, you know, different things. But, you know, that's just been how, how it's been going. But over the years, you've, we've seen a, a definite increase in in how in, in the skill level of, of our players. Just just a few weeks ago, there was a, a tournament. It was a small tournament held in Messina, hosted by the by the Haudenosaunee. It was part of an organization called the International Junior Box Across Association, or some something along those lines. They do a, a U nineteen World Championship and. They they also uh, decided this year to introduce new age levels, uh, including U eighteen and U thirteen. You know there was two teams with you know uh, the the U eighteen team uh, features Gunawagiraonu, Cayman Daibo, and then the U fifteen team. There was four kids from town: Sut Degayun, two uh, Van Domelen, Darius Jones, Chaz Norton, and Sago Rice. They made this team, and they 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 made history. During the round robin portion of the tournament, they they dominated Canada, and then went on to win the uh, to win the tournament. the The tournament featured the Haudenosaunee, Canada, and the U.S. All very talented teams. So history was made when when first the the U15 team won, uh, beat Canada, and then following that the the U18 did the same, and then both went on to go undefeated in the tournament and 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 win everything. So, so these two teams made history, becoming the first two teams, Haudenosaunee Nationals teams, that that have won uh, a world championship, which which is amazing. And you've been to um, quite a few. Like I know you were mentioning, Greg, that this was a bit of a, a smaller scale tournament, if you will. However, you've been to some of the bigger international tournaments, the, the world tournaments, and things like that. So, how does it feel to know that you know Team Haudenosaunee they they did it they made it happen? It's amazing. I mean, like you know, talking to uh, you know one of the coaches, actually talking to both uh, Garrett Cree and Al Jones, who, who who coached on the the U15 team. You know, Al, his son played on the team, and and Al's played for the Iroquois Nationals internationally. And you know, for him, he's like, this is amazing. You know, it feels it feels it feels great, and to see these teams do that well, it's it it's it just you know it's it's amazing because. We we know the future is bright. Yes, it was a smaller tournament, but you know, as these kids grow up, they they know what it feels like to beat Canada, to beat the U.S., and and they, they play at the highest level. So so these kids are going to be on these teams, you know, as, as they grow up, and then you know they're the future. So so you know, in five years from now, they're going to be you know kids that are on, on these teams are going to be the ones that are on the Haudenosaunee Nationals senior team that may well be competing in the Olympics. You know, so and, and and to have that experience to to be able to say, yeah, we beat Canada. This is what we did, you know, and we're the first ones to beat Canada. And, you know, that's just, you know, just amazing. Absolutely. Something to be proud of. And I heard you mention the name Cayman Daibo. And I know Cayman is somebody that Mark Lalone has been writing a little bit about earlier this month. Absolutely. And um, it's been a remarkable season for that young man. He uh you know, winning the world championship on one level. And then the last couple of weeks, he... Uh, it was actually the same weekend. Sorry, it was the same weekend as he led his Champlain-Lennoxville CJEP lacrosse team to a provincial championship. They beat John Abbott College 15-3. to In field lacrosse, right? Yes, in field lacrosse. Pretty remarkable that this this young man uh, is just is so skilled. He's As a 17-year-old, he was second in the league in scoring this year in the CJEP League. Interviewing his coach, Paul Lehman, couldn't say enough great things about the kid. Called him an artist with a lacrosse stick. And from everything that we've seen and heard to this point, I feel like that's 
probably a little bit of even an understatement. Really looking forward to see what happens next season with those Lennoxville Cougars because Cayman is coming back next season to finish his studies there. And another young man from town, Sidear, will be joining the Lennoxville Cougars as well. Promises to be a remarkable CGEP season next year. Frankly, hoping to see more games than I saw this year. And if uh, any of our listeners are interested, they can Google the Champlain Lennoxville Cougars and check out our very own Brandon Bordeaux on play-by-play for the Lennoxville Cougars, and it's a lot of fun. So I would highly recommend that a lot of our viewers check that out. This this young man's future is so bright, he's got to wear shades. So I'm eager to see how the next few years pan out for him and uh, uh, how that's going to go. As some very, very exciting lacrosse news to talk about, especially at this time of the year when we're usually not talking about lacrosse anymore. We're usually into some of the winter sports, so it's it's great to still be talking about lacrosse at this time of year. Oh yeah, for, for sure. Our community has a very, very rich military history. And of course, uh, we, we look back on, on that on Remembrance Day. And of course, we had Remembrance Day activities here in the community to, to celebrate our, our veterans. This year, we were able to have a Remembrance Day parade like we kind of normally do. It was almost, it, it wasn't quite the same in, in numbers wise, but we were able to actually actually have one this year on, on the weekend right before November 11th. You know, it newly named Crown Indigenous Relations Minister Mark Miller made it. You know, he's also a veteran and has been coming to, to the Kanawage Remembrance Day parades for the last few years. So uh, he made an appearance uh, once again, you know, and then on, on Remembrance Day, the Thursday, the members of the Legion gathered at, at the Cenotaph and had their, their, their Remembrance Day ceremony itself uh, on that day. And, uh, you know, this is something that I think that is is continually done. And, and I mean, and, and it's great because it gives a chance for the community to to see who our veterans are and, and honor them. Right. You know, this is uh, because of our, of our rich military history in this community. Yeah, the folks over at Legion Branch 219 are always doing such a great job to make sure that our veterans are, are never forgotten. And I think it's incredible that the uh, the students from uh, the neighboring Cattery School were able to go over to the Cenotaph that day to to join in on the uh, festivities and, and lay some wreaths and different things like that, which was, uh, which was really nice to see that the youth get involved with things like that, for sure. Switching gears to a different type of parade, not a Remembrance Day parade, but a holiday parade. Um, we also had our holiday parade here yes. in Gunawage earlier this month with this, uh, a heck of a lot of fun. And it made its return because last year they didn't, didn't hold it because of the, the pandemic. Yes, that's right. And uh, I, I, people were absolutely ready for it. If you checked out the, uh, the parade row or any of the roads along the parade row, it was, it was absolutely filled. And I know that you guys were out there getting uh, quite a bit of coverage and uh, it's just so fun to see it's a great way to kick off the holiday season oh here. yeah for sure and and i mean it looks like they because they didn't have it have it last year they, they made up for it this year by by doubling the route for the first time in the short history of of the holiday parade it passed by the category hospital center which which gave the residents there who, who are recently dealing with a, an outbreak of covid so visitors were, weren't allowed so so it gave them the opportunity to see you know get get out and, and and you know look out the window and see the parade coming by and you know all the all the nice nicely decorated floats uh the bright lights and uh all the hard work that everybody put involved a wider segment of the community was able to enjoy that yeah and it was nice to see the floats handing out you know small gifts and goodies to the kids and of course this year's parade was organized by the Gunawage peacekeepers 
And due to the success of the parade, I believe that the route might look pretty similar for, for the coming years if, uh, if everything goes well. Nice. I mean, and it was just a lot of fun, right? Everybody, uh, everybody was doing just waiting on along the route and, and, and being very excited. You know, kids of all ages, uh, you know, really enjoyed themselves. Right. And vaccination news for the five to 11 year olds. Health Canada announced, I think on, on Friday, November 19th, that it had approved a lower dosage of the COVID-19 vaccine for, for children aged five to 11. On Tuesday of this week, the Quebec uh, government announced that it was starting its vaccine campaign for, for those age groups and allowing for um, parents to book their children's appointments on Click Santé. And this week, the Cater Memorial Hospital Centre confirmed that parents could also go through the KMHC's COVID-19 website, click on the vaccination portal to access Click Santé to book appointments for, the, for their, their children should they choose to, to get them vaccinated. Absolutely. And it's been uh, another busy November in our community and we're anticipating a lot more busyness in the coming months. So I'm just wondering what you guys are looking forward to covering in the uh, coming weeks as we get a little bit closer to Christmas here. Well, one thing I'm really looking forward to covering, and I'm not sure if it's covering or just being present at, and that's... uh, Saturday, we're going to be screening Brand New Yuri was a documentary at Gunawagi Brewing Company at 1, 3, and 5 p.m. And uh, I'm looking forward to that because the documentary is fantastic and I'm really looking forward to seeing it again. But in the, in the coming month, I'm very much looking forward to getting into some of those Gunawagi holiday traditions that were lost uh, amidst the pandemic a year ago. And maybe are coming back with a little bit more vim and vigor than, you know, a year off would indicate. So it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, Greg, I know you're always busy, so this is a silly question <laughs> because you always have something to do. But what are you looking forward to? Uh, maybe a mix of covering and uh, doing it throughout the holidays. I, I think that uh, you know, as as we're getting into the, into the holiday season, uh, you know, go and check out the uh, Winter Wonderland, uh, which is starting on Saturday at Restaurante La Vista at uh, Mystic Pines, just off to one thirty eight. I think uh, you know that fundraising effort is is one of those things in the community that that shows just how how good our community is and raising money for for a worthy cause. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to both going to that and covering it. Oh, it was great catching up with you guys, and of course, uh, we'll be keeping our eyes on all things news related in and around Gunawage in the coming weeks. So Nyao for joining us, guys. Nyao, thank you. Nyao for listening. Stay up to date with all your Diwaze podcasts, including Profiles, The Cycle, and Front Page by following the Yurdiwaze podcast channel on Apple, Spotify, and Google. This project has been made possible by the Community Media Strategic Support Fund, which is offered jointly by Official Language Minority Community Media Consortium and the Government of Canada.